you guessed it, Pressure Points. I'm D. This is your sweet little AJ with me in studio. We're hitting you with Season 3, Episode 7, Codename Garbo. We're going to be talking about Juan Pujol Garcia. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Points of Pressure. I 100% thought you were going to forget what his name was. Yeah, no, I, I'm impressed with myself that I didn't manage to fuck that up on the first take. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Good for us. Yeah, we're we're professionals. Yeah, we've we've made it. Uh, so, how's your week been? Boring, thank goodness. Yeah? Yeah, but today we tried huh. that. Oh, yeah. Huh. This, is, this is wonderful. Ooh. We, uh, D came over a little earlier. We went out, got some breakfast coffee-fee. burritos and we coffee. We got some coffee coffee uh, from the little shop, and then we we loaded up the Randonautica app. I've talked about it before a couple episodes ago. I'm still working on a big story. I'm just trying to get enough experiences personally to like make it interesting. But this morning, pretty damn interesting. Oh, it's good. Oh, uh, what were we? Oh, okay. So this is the third. <laughs> the, the way the app works is you are supposed to think of something, a concept, a place, a thing, whatever you want, and then you click a couple buttons on there and. It uses a random number generator in Australia to put a bunch of dots down within a certain distance around you that you can set up. And then you can choose whether it's you're looking like you get the GPS coordinates of the place with the most concentrated amount of dots, the least amount of dots, or just the strongest anomaly, essentially, in the numbers. Really interesting concept, you know, with the idea that our thoughts control quantum particles or have some influence over them. Which D did not believe at all until today. I don't know if that's true at all. No, I mean, I, like, I, it wasn't that I didn't believe it at all. It's just that I was skeptical, yeah. as I am with most like things. Like a bitch. Okay, yeah, that too. So we, the first two were kind of like, eh, we could kind of, we can kind of see a connection. Uh, not really. Not really. If I'm being honest, there was nothing it's that had stretch. to do with aliens at the elementary school that we went I to. I mean, we except, did, there was that, that lady in the, the van. lady with the fucking walkie-talkie. Yeah, there's a lady so, in a van driving behind we, us. It's, it's Sunday, so we pull up in front of this elementary school that it had, it had marked. Which neither of us are allowed within 500 feet of. Yeah, so we were already You're breaking welcome. the law. Uh Look, I didn't mean to blow that kid, okay? It was an accident. Um, so we... I almost spit out my coffee. So we pull up in front of this elementary school, and we're just... We looked creepy as fuck. We're just rolling slowly, and I was like, look into the window. See if you see, like, any little, little alien figures or some shit. I mean, there was a cat in the hat sticker. <laughs> I, I mean, think that counts. I don't think that, that counts. So we're driving up. We park, we eat our burritos and shit, and we're just we're sitting there, and this like solid white van, just, and newer model, van yeah, too. newer model van drives behind us, and I'm looking, I look over at the lady, and then I watch her in my my rearview mirror. Now, if it had been an older van, I would think, oh, she probably has one of those stupid car phones, but she pulls up to her like up to her mouth, and I was like. What the fuck is that? Is that a walkie-talkie? And I just like keep looking at her, and she had this little device with a fucking antenna on it. Okay, definitely a walkie-talkie. And I was like, "There's no way." What? Uh, and then I mean, yeah, we saw people in like green shirts. They might have been aliens. I don't, I don't know. Uh, no, I definitely think she was an alien because there are a lot of stories of men in black showing up and like n- being close to. <gasps> oh my gosh! Yes. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, she just rolls past with her with her little walkie-talkie. I like to think that she was part of the PTA. She problem. was she was trying to get us fucked over. Or she was ratting on the lawn crew. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so we what was it? We pulled across the street. We go park in front of the park so that we're not as child molestery. Yeah. Um, and what was it? We sat there and we're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And oh. both of us have been wanting better office chairs <laughs> yes. for the studio. Yeah. And so I just go, what about free office chairs? Like somebody just has them sitting out in front of their, like in front of their house. It just says free. So we <laughs> sat and thought for quite a while. And then what was it that you said that threw my thoughts Oh, off? I said, so one of the modes is attractor mode because it's <laughs> like all, it's as many dots that are attracted together, I guess. So I I'm sitting know. there zoned in. I'm thinking as hard as I can about free office chairs. And all I hear is a tractor. And so it, I just poof, tractor. Fucked up my thoughts. It was ruined. It was destroyed from there on out. So that one didn't lead to it. Brought us ah, to like a well. It was good. It was better than the last one. Yeah, we okay. went into like this uh, cul-de-sac in a very wealthy part of town, and I swear to God, there were eight chairs. Yeah, no, seriously. In that cul-de-sac, there was a family packing for camping, and they had a bunch of chairs out. There were, <laughs> we were lawn like, chairs. Those there are were porch those chairs. are free if we managed to get away with. Yeah, them. there was only a twelve-year-old guarding yeah. it, and like that's <laughs> pretty much free. We could we could make that. That's free. We we'll be all right. Yeah, but yeah, they had like two on their porch and just a bunch of chairs outside their little camper. So and I like to think that they weren't office chairs, but they were free chairs. And free to all. They would fit in this office. Yeah, this is true. So <laughs> now yeah. the third one. Oh, this one was. This great. one was big. So we had pulled off to the side. Do you want to tell it? Uh, I'll, I'll tell part of it. You tell the other part of it. Okay. I'll start off. So we we were sitting off to the side of the road, and we were thinking, okay, along the same vein, free stuff. For, we started talking about estate sales, just randomly, whatever, because D was in California and saw one with like a twelve hundred dollar lamp. Yeah, I was just cruising around, and uh, this was this was like years ago, five years ago or so, and I was just cruising around in California, and I would just go down like little back roads, and I go around this road and come around a corner, and there's this house that has like gates. They have these huge gates in front of them. And um, I look in there. I was like, are they having a fucking carnival? Like, what the hell? Because they had little tents set up. <laughs> and there's like a playground out front. I was like, is this a like gated park? But there's a sign that says estate sale. And so I actually called my dad that day. I was like, hey, uh, what's an estate sale? And he's all, oh, it's if somebody like dies and they're trying to sell all their stuff off. I was like, sold. If these people are, have like a gated home, yeah, sign me the fuck up. Oh, yeah. And I'm just sitting there and like my uh, gym shorts and t-shirt and I was like yeah to hell with it so I park go in and I'm just walking through these people's home like this guy's <laughs> house dead dude's house and his family's there everybody's looking all fancy and I'm just like hi I look homeless compared to you guys and they had like $2,400 lamps like they're like I think the cheapest thing I saw was like it was like twelve or $1,100 lamp it was just <laughs> everything was so fucking expensive and i was like i am terribly out of place but this is really interesting yeah so we talked about that and we came to the conclusion let's think about a garage sale yeah i would have fucked with a garage sale Like, why not we fucking love garage sales aj had given me cash for uh the burrito and coffee that we got 12 whole dollars that's like that's like walking into walmart with a million dollar bill oh yeah 
going to a garage sale with 12 bucks. Is that like one of the ones with Donald Trump on it that's golden, <laughs> a million dollar bill? Yeah. 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 So we, we, I, you know, we put it in, we focused on it, and we got the coordinates to just a house. And nobody said tractor while I was And nobody said tractor. <laughs> so we drive to the place and we're looking around, we're looking for signs. We keep seeing like signs on the side of the road. But it's like for pest. Yeah, out of the corner shit. of your eye too. It looks like it's some bullshit written sign. And I'm sitting there at a stop sign, and I see this bright green sign. I was like, no way. <gasps> and I like jump and turn, but it was just like, oh, pest control or some shit. Yeah, I was like, oh man. Shit. So we we're driving and we're driving, and we get close to the house. We're just looking everywhere, and D, what do we find? <laughs> so I shit you not, both of us are like. No fucking way. Yeah, we lost our shit. Yeah. So in front of one of the houses, um, and you can call this coincidence, you can call it whatever you want. Oh, no, not in front of one of the houses, in front of the house of which we had the coordinates. Yeah, that's what I was going to get to, is not so much coincidence, but the house that it had marked had a table with tomatoes and a couple zucchini on it, and it said free, and it's just chilling out front, and that was the house that it marked. We're like- are you fucking kidding me? So we flip around, we stop, AJ took a picture of it, and we took a couple of the like really old shitty tomatoes off of that table. They're going to taste delicious. Enjoy them. Have at it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're all yours. <laughs> and then we left them out in my car for like four hours. Yeah, they're fine. They're grilled. <laughs> nothing, like August, nothing like August car tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, so obviously it's not a garage sale, but free shit in the front of somebody's house... When we were not only talking about getting free shit from somebody's house, but also thinking about the garage sale. Which is also free shit in front of somebody's yeah, exactly, house if you're, if you're brave sneaky enough. enough. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was just it was just crazy. We just lost our shit. It was exciting. It was very I, exciting. And it's not that like, I'm like, oh yeah, this works 100% of the time. But oh, like, no. it certainly surprised me. I wasn't expecting free tomatoes. Like, the thing is, everywhere else that we were driving... There were no tables out. There were, like, no garage sales. Nobody had anything sitting in front of their house. It was, like, oh, free, except for that one, and it was where we were directed to go. So, and, I mean, it's not like we're typing free, like, garage sale into the app. You just think about it. Yeah. You don't write anything down. You aren't, well, I guess we would say it out loud. So, I guess if the FBI was listening in, they could, like, oh, who has free tomatoes? But, uh, yeah, it's... It yeah, was it was weird. It was really it weird. It was cool. It was really cool. So we're going to do that again at some point because yeah. that, that was a good way to to burn an hour. Yeah, really though. I didn't mind it. Yeah. Oh, how's your week been? <laughs> I haven't done anything. It's it's uh been really nice. Perfect. Well, I don't have a transition <laughs> into the the main body. So code name So into not Garbo. doing anything. Code name Garbo. I wrote this this morning. That's how much stuff I didn't oh, do this week. Oh god. But it, it turned out really good. It was nice. Ooh, it's already heating up in this studio. And Extra I put... spicy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Podcast boy sweat water for sale oh, coming soon. Oh, God. Okay, so we're going to talk about... It smells like Alex Jones in this fucking... <laughs> <laughs> smells like Alex Jones in the studio. You're not supposed to tell them who I am. AJ, Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, oh. Crooked Hillary. <laughs> The, I wish I could do the the voice, say something along the lines of lizards, yeah, or the please, the, please the, the chemicals in the water turning the frogs gay. Don't ever sound like Alex Jones. I'll or do my I'm best. Oh, he, we won't get into that. Okay, all so, right. Yeah, all right. Code, code name Garbo. So this is a story about Juan Garcia. Uh, excuse me. 
Can you say his full name, please? Juan Pujol Garcia. It's not Pujol. I don't know. I don't Jay, speak Spanish. J is a <laughs> sound in Spanish, so it's Pujol. 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 Okay. N- now that we're done making fun of this guy's name, <laughs> I know this international. Now let's talk about how cool he was. International unrecognized hero. <laughs> <laughs> now this dude was born in Barcelona on Valentine's Day, nineteen twelve. That's so cute. Yeah, it's adorable. Unfortunately, he was like four when uh, when World War One came out, and then you know the whole Spanish, <laughs> when it came out when it, when came, it came out on Blu-ray. Yeah, and then the Spanish influenza <laughs> and stuff. So he was sent to a Catholic school, a Catholic boarding school, at the age of seven. But his family, he came from a pretty wealthy family. His father owned a dye shop. Well, that's why he went to a boarding school because his parents hated him. Well, his father would go out would go down and visit him every weekend because he wasn't allowed to leave the school unless there was a visitor there. (laughs) So he would have been stuck. But he eventually got transferred to another school at the age of 13 because his dad wasn't very religious. His mother was. His father was pretty liberal. And he eventually sent him to a new boarding school at the age of 13 that was run by his father's card-playing buddy. I'm pretty sure he won he, him in a bet. Yeah, I was going to say, his dad <laughs> lost him in a game of cards. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. He's like, listen, if you actually have a full house, I'll give you my fucking son. Like, he'll go to your dumbass school, and the guy's like, full house, bitch. <laughs> so they- uh, And Juan's just sitting there crying. He's like, yeah. I don't want <laughs> I don't want to have to make new friends at a boarding school. <laughs> I'm, I already have friends at this boarding school. <laughs> More people are going to hate me. (laughs) He stayed in that school for three years until he was 16 when he got in an argument with a teacher and said, fuck you, fuck this school, and left and went to become an apprentice at a hardware shop. Uh, He continued his education through animal husbandry. I just lost my spot immediately. Animal (laughs) husbandry. He, yeah, he basically, he loved chickens. I really need to stop playing so much Civ Five because I hear animal husbandry and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's necessary. Yes, definitely, for the that's, advancement uh, of civilization. That's definitely one of the, the important ones to, to follow through with. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, and during this time, because his family was a little wealthy, he managed multiple businesses, including like a movie theater, a cinema, and you know, he was pretty well off. In 1931, he completed his six-month compulsory military service in Spain during this time period. You had to join the military for six months where he discovered that he was unsuited for a military career. Basically said, oh, fuck this shit. <laughs> he found out he's not good at taking orders. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and enjoys spending time with women and not getting shot at. Uh, you know what? That's crazy. What a, weird, what a yeah, fucking what a weirdo. weirdo. What a goof. A goofball. <laughs> what, a, what a goddamn goofball. <laughs> It was, he was managing a poultry farm in 1936 when the Spanish Civil War broke out. So in a super, super basic way, the Spanish Civil War was broken down into two sides. The Republicans, who were the communists. Beautiful, thank you. you can, yeah, you now cut put, cut put, the, put your erection away. All right, thank you. That's the sound of the erection going back on. And so as the Republicans- <laughs> that, was, that was your dick deflating. Yes. Okay, all right. Versus the nationalists, which were the fascists, which we don't have an audio- no, that's not no. the yeah, fascists. Uh, the fascists. All right. So, yeah, super basic way, communist versus fascist. His sister's fiance and his mother were both pretty much immediately arrested by the Republican forces, but they were later released. They were part of a trade deal where they were like, POWs for these two random bitches. 
<laughs> he was God. then called for military service by the Republicans, but he didn't like the idea of joining the military because they immediately arrested his family members when they took power. <laughs> Weird. Odd. I wonder why. He hid at his girlfriend's house for a couple of weeks until that house was raided and he was imprisoned. This dude has some very lucky breaks in his life. He was only incarcerated for a week before a resistance group freed him and hid him until he could get false documents that would show that his age, that he was too old to be conscripted. This man loves chickens. I know I already said that, but I wrote it specifically in my notes at this point. This is a sweet little segue into the next episode. Definitely. This is... It's going to be good. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's our most positive episode yet. (laughs) It's a positive episode. That's the most positive episode. (laughs) HIV positive episode HIV no that was operation infection (laughs) so he went on now that he was technically too old to join the military he started to manage a new poultry farm of course (laughs) but at the time it wasn't economically viable because it was requisitioned by the communist government and operated with uh, the rule by committee meaning a a bunch of people were basically on a committee uh, basically saying you can run it this way, you can do this stuff, but you can't do this stuff. And, you know, not all the time these people were actually poultry farmers. They don't necessarily know what's going on. They're politicians making decisions on how a farm should be run. But what actually happened was the communists showed up and they said, these are our chickens. And then they took them all. That's that's how it goes. Well, no, they still wanted the chickens to make mm -mm. babies. No, they wanted the chickens because they weren't his, just his. They were everyone's chickens. Yeah, I mean, they were. And it just didn't work in this instance with this setup and the, the way it was um, implemented was just real shitty. So this led him to dislike the communists even more. He was just like, well, they keep fucking me over. They fuck over my chickens. They fuck over my sister-in-law's fiance or my sister's fiance or whatever. And my mother, they keep fucking my mother. <laughs> Lucky break. So at this point, after the um, resistance team got him fake documents, he then rejoined the Republican military by choice (laughs) and immediately volunteered to lay telegraph lines near the front lines. It was a pretty dangerous job because they were so close to the front um, and because it was communication, they were often, you know, a lot of people would shoot at him. But he immediately deserted to join the nationalist side in 1938. So at this point, you know, Nazi Germany is starting to ramp up all their stuff. But it turns out he hates fascists too. So not not good on him. This guy, he's in the worst part of the world during this whole yeah. thing. He's just like, I don't like communists and I don't like fascists. Well, <laughs> you need to go elsewhere. Juan. Yeah, as long as neither of them take power, I'll be fine. Fuck. <laughs> so he was poorly treated and he was beat and imprisoned by his colonel because he expressed sympathy towards the monarchy who was the previous government. Basically said, Oh, those guys are okay. That dude just beat the shit out of them. <laughs> you what? <laughs> Who? He was uh, He was eventually discharged from the military as the Nationalist won. Spoiler alert. Uh, Franco's Nationalist Party won. He became a dictator until the 70s or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> these <laughs> these aren't the important facts. No, no, not at all. Focused on Juan here. He was proud to have served both sides and not fired a single bullet. <laughs> that's in his autobiography i like to imagine his dad read it and was just like god damn it oh his his dad was dead (laughs) he uh yeah he was discharged from the nationalist met met his wife got married had a kid and pretty much at that point world war ii was in full gear 
and his military experiences led him to both dislike the Nazis and the Soviet Union. So he's like, hmm, I'm just not going to take a stance in this war because kind of both sides suck. As is the case with most wars. Yeah, you, no, no, that's ridiculous. America <laughs> doesn't suck. America, fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. So in 1939, he decided that he must contribute to the war against Germany by helping Poland, Britain, and France. Those were the um, the main players at this point. And it helped him pretty much just oppose the nationalist Franco regime because while Spain during World War II was technically neutral, they were definitely Nazi sympathizers. They were definitely nicer to, to the Germans than the anybody else. Well, because who was knocking on their front door? <laughs> like... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And they, they didn't have money for another war. They just finished one. <laughs> They're just like, fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, we'll just be, we'll be nice to the guys that are, are tougher. Yeah. The guys who will definitely win. He, you know, because he wanted to help out the war effort, he approached the British three times and each time was denied. <laughs> now, we had talked about this and this is before we did our little, our little trip, but he was denied simply because, what did you say it was? It was... He was from places that he had worked with both the fascists oh, yeah. and the communists. And it's like, why the fuck would they trust him? He's... Yeah, he was he was known to have been on <laughs> yeah. both sides during the They're war. They're like, yeah, we'll totally take you in. Well, at the same time, you know, the Spanish were known to be more lenient towards the Germans. And he was Spanish. <laughs> They're just like. So the British yeah, are like, he's probably a spy. This, he's probably a spy. He's not a good one. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so I- instead of you know, backing down and going, relaxing on his poultry farm or whatever the fuck he wanted to do. He decided to establish himself as a reliable German spy and then become a double agent. Ooh. So he reached out to this dude. Well, before that, he created a fake identity of a radical pro-Nazi Spanish government agent. Basically, he convinced, he got the paperwork to show that he was a diplomat, a Spanish diplomat with a job in London, he convinced the the person in charge of the getting him his passport that he was a government agent, and he got a diplomatic passport, which is <laughs> badass. Yeah, that's like that, that's some that's some power right there. <laughs> and he he reached out to the Abwehr, which is the German spy group, I guess would be the best way to put it. All the German the Kremlin, <laughs> the Kremlin, but German. And he. Oh yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were joking. Ah, oh, shit. No, my bad. That was my mistake. <laughs> I need to listen to you a little bit more oh, when you talk God. about when you talk about World War II and Russia. So he contacted an agent called, his codename was Frederico, who said, yeah, we'll take you as a spy, a government diplomat guy. He gave him a crash course on espionage and gave him invisible ink, a code book, and 600 bucks for expenses. Which is equivalent to $14,000. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm just going to keep fucking up all your facts. That's fine. They're going to remember yours, not mine. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're so, like, oh, yeah, that yeah. was a funny fact. No, it's not no, true. No, no, not at all. D said it. None Anything D says when no. I'm doing All of my episodes episode. are, are fiction. Works yes. of fiction written by me. <laughs> no, you don't know how to write. That's, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Works of fiction that I copy and paste. There you go. That's more accurate. <laughs> He was assigned the mission to move to Britain and establish a network of spies because of his political power. Instead, he moved to Lisbon, Portugal. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> a little a little far away from it. Only slightly. But he brought a an English 
tourist guide. He got a bunch of reference books from his local library and subscribed to a bunch of British magazines. And then he just stayed up to date on the newsreels that came in from England. And he used these to create completely false reports that were that seemed to be credible and looked like they came from London itself. Much like what I've been doing this whole episode. Yes, making it up on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by your, lo- your, your local, local library. library. <laughs> he actually stayed in a really like nice hotel, but he would report to the Germans that he was traveling around the English countryside, <laughs> contacting people, and oh, this son of a it. bitch would submit travel expenses based on a railway guide that he picked up, and the Nazis would reimburse him. <laughs> That's delightful. So be like, yeah, I took a train, you know, across the country. It cost me you know, a couple of bucks. Send it to me, and they just send him money. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, staying at the Hilton, but really he's in a fucking Motel 6, and he's just pocketing the extra cash. Yeah, he, he never traveled. <laughs> he never actually traveled, which is great. <laughs> he established a network of 27 spies, of which zero of them existed. Oh, that's delightful. But the Nazis were paying each and every one of those <laughs> a pension. What a fucking and, genius. Yeah, and a paycheck for their information. Anytime he made a mistake, he would blame it on members of his network. <laughs> so it's never him. It's, oh, they gave me the bad information. I just reported it to you. He's like, oh, they're fired. I need a... Uh... Oh, sorry. It said low battery. Uh, oh, no, you're good. So he's just like... Oh, yeah, I totally fired them, so I'm going to need some extra money for when we hire somebody so they can get, like, a starting bonus. Germany's like, yeah, yeah, cool, by all means, here's $50. He's like, you stupid asshole. Well, even better, if he said, hey, I got somebody lined up who is reliable but won't do anything (laughs) without a bribe, they'll just pay him the bribe at any time. (laughs) He's like, I've got to fly somebody from uh, Antarctica, so if you could just provide me cash to... (laughs) purchase a plane and all the fuel that'd be great so he was really smart because he would give them credible information against the british but it would either arrive just too late (laughs) or it would be oh that's delightful like just off enough like the location was wrong or the timing was wrong but everything else was accurate (laughs) he's like they're pushing your western front and they're like yeah we know already he's like must have taken my delivery pigeons a little bit too long to get there. Well, he he had a system. He had a courier who would basically bring him, bring his information to a contact closer. I think it was in in Madrid. So this dude would fly stuff from Portugal into Spain and back and forth, and he basically bribed him to bring the letters. So he would backdate oh, the letters. Delightful. I love it. Multiple days and blame it on his courier. <laughs> Eventually, they switched over to radio, but. Uh, for it was just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. My my favorite part is that MI5, the British uh, counterintelligence kind of spy network, intercepted a lot of his messages, and they started a spy hunt because they thought there was somebody in London sending this information. <laughs> they wasted tons of money trying Jesus. to find him and his entire network. <laughs> He's like, bitch, I am... Hundreds of miles away, you fools. He did this for almost four years. It was like three and a half years or something like that. Oh, Jesus. When in 1942, the U.S. entered the war, him and his wife approached U.S. Navy Lieutenant Patrick Demarest, who was stationed in at the embassy in Portugal. And Demarest reached out to his British counterparts and basically got him a job. He said, hey, this guy is legit. You should hire him. 
And at the same time, MI5 at that point was realizing that somebody was feeding false information to the Germans and they didn't know who it was because the Germans wasted thousands of dollars chasing down a convoy <laughs> that did not exist. <laughs> like oh, it was, God. Hey, they're the just... convoy's going to be here. Oh, they were a day ahead. Ah, oh, shucks. Just now they're going to be going. here and they're just sending an entire like oh, detachment to chase this entire convoy. And the British were like, cool, thanks, bro. <laughs> Don't know who you are. <laughs> But uh, eventually they, they caught on when this guy reached out to him and they moved one to Britain in 1942 and gave him the codename uh, Bovril. Bovril? Bovril. It's like a drink brand, I think, from the 40s. Huh. I don't know. But his, his family <laughs> soon moved in after he was bounced around from handlers a couple of times until they actually got a handler who could speak Spanish well. <laughs> <laughs> I think his, his last name was Harris, his main handler. And his name was changed pretty much immediately after all the information came out of what he had done and what he was capable of because of his imagination and his accomplishments he was named garbo after greta garbo and his handler said it was the best actor in the world i have no idea who it is but the best actor the in, best the world, actor in the world damn it exactly so he was yeah he, he was the now code name garbo code name garbo i love this spy shit oh that's <laughs> delightful Garbo and his handler at that point wrote over 315 letters to the Germans and his network seemed so efficient and they flooded the German handlers by with so much information that they no longer felt the need to recruit spies in the UK at all. So they stopped recruiting spies because his, <laughs> because his he, network was so good. He had just bullshitted them well enough. Yeah, now that he had I access to information it. from MI5, they could accurately give information that nobody else would know. Oh, I see. But they were they were able to give either just enough information just to off. confirm it, yeah. but not all of the details or some details, but not <laughs> exactly the date or, you know, things like this. And they were all written from the point of view of different spy agents. <laughs> God, what a fucking genius. This dude's really smart. I love it. He's had no background in anything. He left school at 16, which, you know, that's pretty good for that those days. But like, he didn't go to college. He was never a spy before this. He's kind of figured it out. Jesus. Uh, let's see. So <laughs> at this point, uh, one example of one of these letters, he sent a letter to the Germans stating that his agent spotted a convoy of troops or of ships. I don't know why I put troops of ships in Mediterranean camo had just left the port. It was postmarked a couple of days before the um, before the sh ships actually left the port. But it was purposely delayed, like they put it in the mail. Yeah, so he postmarked then, it before they left. No, the the post office, I guess, postmarked it. But oh. then the MI5 infiltrated the post office and held it and delayed the letter so that it arrived like the day after the ships arrived. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so it looks like, oh, it was just sent late. There was a problem with the supply line. And he got a response received from the Germans. It was, we are sorry they arrived too late, but your last reports were magnificent. And this, this really cemented in the trust because it was so accurate. Oh, God. I love – he's just like – he's like a 1940s spy troll. Oh, It yeah. is phenomenal. He is the best troll. I'm so glad he's not on Twitter. God, right. So every once in a while he had to explain why his agents missed like a large event that the Germans found out about afterward. Like in one instance, a very large fleet of ships left the port and he had to report to the Germans that this his agent had fallen ill just before the ships had left. Mm -hmm. And to really cement it in, MI5 
added a fake obituary to the local newspaper <laughs> that the Germans saw to throw off the Adler. Oh, my God. And doing so, they convinced the Germans to pay a pension to the agent's widow. <laughs> oh, Lord. None of these people existed. He's just raking in cash from the Germans. He's like, yeah, that, that dude died, but his widow's there. She's destitute. And they're like, here's some money. <laughs> That's great. For his service. I love it. So good. Uh, he was so <laughs> valuable to the Germans. He provided so much perceived value to the Germans that in 1944, oh no, I'll, I'll get to 1944 after. I'll, I'll finish this one up. They actually provided Garbo with some of the best encryption possible. He would transmit his coded radio messages to Madrid, and then in Madrid, they would be manually decrypted and then re-encrypted by the Enigma machine. So MI5 now had the original message and then the <laughs> Enigma-coded... The yeah, the encrypted. The encrypted message, which led to them being able to break the Enigma code because they had the before and they had the after. So they were able to break down <laughs> oh, certain dude, parts of it. Yeah. Not the whole thing. That, what that movie happened later. was that? What? Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's, the uh... Imitation Game? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. With uh, Bendy Dick Cumberbunch. Yeah. Bendy Dick Cumberbunch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was, they they were able to break a lot of the codes because they literally provided him with a code book, <laughs> which was just And the Germans, fantastic. as soon as they figure out, the Germans are like, oh my God, how did they crack our code? And Garbo's just counting his fucking- His like, dollars. <laughs> all of his dollar bills. He's like, thanks, you dipshits. <laughs> Keep oh, sending letters, was... fuckers. <laughs> yeah. It was the best. At this point, they switch over to radio communication for the most part. But in 1944, the Germans approached Garbo and said, hey, something big's going to go down. We know, but we need more information on where. Send out your network. Get us all the information you can get. Put all your men to work. Exactly. Every man on it. So they were right because at that point, Operation Overlord was in the, in the midst of being planned. That's the operation that led up to the D-Day landings. So they knew something was coming. And this... Garbo played such an important role in Operation Fortitude, which was the operation to convince the Nazis that Operation Overlord was going to happen a couple hundred miles north of Normandy. <laughs> oh, man. So he, yeah, he had this whole plan set up. He sent over 500 messages in just a couple of months to the Germans and misled them into thinking that it would happen in, at a place called the Strait of Dover, which is very far off. He convinced them so well that they, they started to move troops up to this area. And, you know, they, they were completely broadsided by the Normandy invasion. It was still a really tough invasion, but it was nothing like the slaughter that it would have been yeah. if this dude hadn't been involved. They attempted to send a message at 3 a.m. on D-Day, basically just to keep his reputation in check, to say, hey, they're coming now <laughs> in this place and still a little bit off. You know, but to basically cement him in as, I got this information just now. They misled all of us. My network got shut down. But the Nazis missed the check-in to get the message. They didn't oh, get the God. message. They didn't show up until 8 a.m. And at that point, the invasions were already happening. So this allowed him to actually talk mad shit on the Nazis for saying, I yeah. had the information and you guys weren't here. And you if guys were five my, hours late. That's yeah. on you. And he said, um, if, if it weren't for my principles, I would quit. Like, this is disgusting <laughs> that you guys would do this. And and even that... from my principles. <laughs> at that point, he went from most trusted in the Abwehr to one of the most trusted directly from Hitler. Oh, my God. No so way. So get this shit. He... Oh, where was I? Right here. Okay. Three days after D-Day, 
he sent a message that was, yeah, it was sent immediately to Hitler himself. He provided evidence that 11 divisions, which is 150,000 men, led by General Patton, were southeast of Britain still. This was backed up by the use of, I'm sure you've seen the pictures of it, fake tanks, like inflatable tanks, fake airplanes, fake radio chatter, fake bases, fake <laughs> airplane strips. <laughs> they set up this entire, they faked an army of 150,000 people in Great Britain to convince Hitler that D-Day was a diversion and they're really going to land somewhere else. Oh my God. How did they fake it? With inflatable tanks from oh the air. It God. looked like a real army sitting there oh, yeah, from the airplane pictures, from what they had seen and <laughs> from the radio intercept, the radio chatter. They would have vans with radios in them just driving around these areas, oh, faking, spitting out. faking base um, communications. Base chatter and shit. Yeah. Huh. That's it was, Jesus, now man. that itself is an entire episode, that entire operation. Yeah, really though. It's a fake army of 150,000 people. And it was pulled off I think with like 10,000 or something like that. Something crazy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love man. it. I love the idea that there's just inflatable tanks. It's probably a warehouse somewhere with a bunch of them in them. <laughs> I want one. Yeah, right. Just put it out on your front lawn. <laughs> so he stated in his in his uh, communication that this massive force didn't participate in the D-Day landings. So obviously that was just a diversion. The real attack is coming soon. Immediately after that, a message from his German handlers was sent to the same German high command, and it said, All reports received from Arabel, which was his, the German name for his network, um, all reports received from Arabel undertaking have been confirmed without exception and are described to be especially valuable. Huh. Because of that, Adolf Hitler went, All right, let's do this. He moved two armored divisions and 11 infantry divisions. To a, no, to a new location away from the defense in Normandy. Just so that he could protect against this inflatable army. Yeah. The blow-up doll army. Yes, That's what exactly. we're calling The blow-up doll army. Blow-up doll army was coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> coming for you. <ya>. Cumin. <laughs> and in fact, it was such a... It was believed so well that Rommel was denied from taking troops to help reinforce his oh his lines the lines in uh not his lines the lines in normandy the it was fantastic because <laughs> you know if you imagine that what was it before how many divisions was it that they were faking the inflatable ones it was like one hundred fifty thousand people was that 15 divisions or something i don't remember it's up here somewhere in my no 11 divisions so he had 14 divisions waiting in defense that to defend against, yeah, the blow-up doll army. That just oh, didn't God. exist. I wish that they had just, like, sent them. Like, the the, the blow-up like, tanks? These guys are all ready, and they're like, oh, God, they're they're just over the, the crest of that hill, and they shoot at them, and they're like, damn, dude, we are killing these guys very easily. Yeah, the tanks and just disappear. They just see, like, one guy floating up. They're like, wait, what the hell? And then, like, they get there, and they realize that it's all just blow-up. So, like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I love the idea that there are also blow-up dolls with, like, the army helmets. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're filled with helium for some reason, so their seatbelts break and they just float. But they can't be the metal army ha helmets. No, They're no. paper mache oh, yeah. army they're, helmets. They're uh, <laughs> newspaper boat hats. <laughs> They've all still got, like, the the mouth, the, like, dick-sized mouth. That's yeah, perfect. the dick-sized mouth. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I'm sure the U.S. military would pay for something like that. <laughs> I'm sure they already have. Yeah, so for, I, I think it was for two months, these divisions were just sitting there waiting, wasting resources. <laughs> two whole months to feed 
150 over 150,000 people they're just, just sitting there. They're just waiting for the uh the British bounce house delivery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's beautiful. The uh Macy's Day parade float <laughs> invasion. God, Did I say right? Macy's Day, Macy's Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, yeah it's still the same yeah, thing. Yeah, you know what it was. Just Snoopy like comes over <laughs> yeah. the troops are like, "Yay, they're here." Pop pop pop. So Jesus. in Barney shows up. Oh fuck yeah, SpongeBob! I love this. In 1944, he believed that he was going to be ousted as a double agent because the Germans were starting to ask for more and more detailed information on the V1 flying bombs that were careening into London, and he couldn't find a way to be to give out the false information. So his handlers started to panic a little bit. Like shit, the jig is up. We're not done with the war yet, but we still need this guy. So his handler arrested him. Oh, God, yes. Out of service for a few days. He was then released, and he returned to duty and basically said, hey, I was arrested, here's the evidence, and it was an official letter of apology from the UK government saying, or from the British government saying, we're sorry we falsely imprisoned you, <laughs> our bad. And and they he basically sent a copy of that letter to the Germans, and the Germans were like, it's okay, you're good, we get it, get out of London. <laughs> You don't have to work in London. <laughs> the German, and I'm sure the Germans are just sitting there and they're like, oh, these, these silly, silly Britons. They didn't even realize it was one of our spies all along. Exactly. They're like, yes, <laughs> he's Britons good. are like, you stupid assholes are still waiting for our, our blow ups. So now I'm going to, I'm going to go into a little bit more, a little bit more. Cause right now, basically the end of the war, nothing really big happened after that. The war would be over about a year later. And the whole time he was still uh, writing letters and things like that. But throughout the war, the Germans paid Garbo $340,000 in total oh my God. to support his network of 27 agents. That's paychecks, bribes, cover-ups, um, like weapons, everything. Holy and that was shit. just the cash reimbursements for travel because he would have 27 people traveling yeah. <laughs> everywhere to get this information. Um, and that was, that's $6.2 million in today's money. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Over how many years? Over from 1939 to 1945. Holy shit. Yeah. So six years. Nice. He's just rolling in the cash. Oh yeah. <laughs> he stayed Jeez, in, he basically dude. stayed in our equivalent of a five-star hotel the entire time. I wish that with his money, that at the end he had held a Thanksgiving day size parade <laughs> with all of the blowups in Germany. Like, oh, of course. War's over. They're all like, ah, oh, you're like, damn, we we lost. And he's like, you know what? To make everybody feel better, we're going to have a little parade. And then everybody's marching out there, and they've got these British troops that are just floating above them. And they've got these tanks that are floating <laughs> up. And they're like, wait wait a minute. Wait, are those, those? What? Those look familiar. Patton. <laughs> wait. No. Get that lower. Let me get a better look at that. <laughs> so he was awarded in 1944. In July, this is when July was the month where he sent the information saying there was going to be another invasion. Uh-huh. So in July 1944, after he'd sent that information, he was awarded the Iron Cross Second Class, which is usually reserved for in-combat German troops. <laughs> but it required Adolf Hitler's personal authorization to give no. it to a non uh, a non civilian or uh, to a non citizen. <laughs> it was awarded over the radio. <laughs> and then just after the war, his one of his handlers actually delivered it, the actual medal, personally to him. 
And we'll go into a little bit of that post-war stuff in a second, because four months later, he was awarded the most excellent order of the British Empire, which from <laughs> King George the Sixth. I really hope that like he put both on like in the same display case. He was the only person that we know of to receive ex- like awards from both sides. Very distinguished awards from oh, both sides. That's amazing. Extremely distinguished. And as far as we know now, the Nazis never found out. The Germans never found out, even post-war, that he was spying. <laughs> well, that's how good now. he was. You just fucked it, AJ. Oh, shit. It cut the feed. <laughs> yeah, they know. They know. <laughs> um, so at, just after the war, Garbo was worried that the Nazis would find out who he was and what he had done because some of that spy network was still, some of their spy network was still established. The only Germans who knew him were that spy network, his handlers and things like that. So he was worried that they were going to figure out what happened well yeah it's tough because the 27 people working under him might have known who he was potentially yeah That's all of 27 people. of them would have definitely known who were they who they were working for because they were all very real people yes and and, and they not him knew him very intimately so in in uh, <laughs> a very, very very personal level in uh just after the war with the help of mi5 he traveled to angola and faked his death from malaria in 1949 so he completely faked his death, dropped off the radar, and he moved to Venezuela and ran a bookstore and a gift shop. What a stud. So he didn't actually fall off the grid because we know where he ended up. Well, I'm going to get into how we know about it. Oh, okay. I was I'm like, not done. Uh, Don't worry. So Running a little long. I get some bad news bids, for you, buddy. <laughs> so he was pretty much unknown, except yeah. for by his handlers and thing, the British government and one Navy dude. You said he ended up in Venezuela? Yep. Isn't that? No, it was. Uh, everybody thought that Hitler ended up in Argentina. Argentina, right? yeah, because oh, okay. there were like, there were a lot of Nazi sympathizers. I was like, oh, South they America. tracked him down because Hitler was like, like I imagine the uh, the Spider Man meme where they're both pointing at each other. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, my mistake. More misinformation from D. I'm gonna start Always. another podcast. <laughs> D's misinformation. That I'd subscribe and then delete it. Yeah, sponsored by Fox News. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> so in 1971, so you know, a little bit, a little bit later, well, what is that? 22 years later, something like that. I, hey, well, it is 22 years. A British politician who was writing under the pen name of Nigel West became interested in Garbo. He basically got some, you know, documentation, some evidence, some of the letters, some of the communications. He spoke to intelligence officers who had worked with him, but nobody knew who he was. Nobody knew his actual name. And Like, hey, you know this Garbo character? And, and they say, like, yeah, 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 I know that Garbo. I know, I know Garbo. Well, like, what, what was his name? real name? Fuck if Garbo. I know. <laughs> yeah, he went by Garbo. <laughs> yeah, he, he, in, he interviewed a ton of intelligence workers, including some from both the Soviet Union and the Germans. Uh, not many on the German side. Most of them were killed. The investigation went nowhere until he interviewed a Soviet spy who had actually penetrated MI5 during the war and who had met Garbo, but he couldn't remember his full name. He just said, his last name is Garcia. I think his name is like Joan or something. It was like it was close. Oh, no. Investigation went nowhere until 1984 when an MI5 agent who worked in Spain during the war was able to give West his full name. So it was MI5 agent in Spain, which there weren't a ton of those. Somehow they, they were able to communicate. Nigel West hired an assistant to call every single Jay Garcia in the Barcelona phone book. Oh, Which God. is an extremely common name. Yeah, you don't say. And eventually, it took a couple of months, but they eventually were able to contact Garbo's nephew 
And he was able to contact, the nephew was able to contact Garbo himself, Juan, and set up a meeting. West and Garbo met in New Orleans in 1984. From this meeting, uh, Garbo went to Buckingham Palace and was received by Prince Philip. He spin it. He, he's finished. Wait, Prince Philip is no. Sorry, my bad. No, no. yeah, wrong person. My he bad. visited the Special Forces Club where he was reunited with a group of his former handlers and colleagues, like five people that he'd worked very closely with. Yeah, all were there. All very real. Twenty-seven yes. of his employees were all there. All of them too. showed up. Yeah, and they they he arrived with all, all twenty-seven of his cash. team. <laughs> the bar bill was yeah paid in cash. <laughs> oh God. Uh, he was also able to. Visit Normandy in 1984 to tour all the beaches and pay his respects. It was the first time he was actually able to go to a place that his spying had heavily impacted. And then they're like, we're going to take you 100 miles north. And he's like, ah, yeah, this I know this place really I'm well. very familiar with this place. <laughs> I told him how to set up their defense. <laughs> so in, in 1985, he published his autobiography. It was It's called Operation Garbo. That's where most of this information comes from. Um, it's from this and then the British politician Nigel West, or the Nigel West is the pen name, of course, his book, his information also. But without him, D-Day easily could have completely failed <laughs> and just, uh, you know, been repelled or and lost too many troops. And then I don't know where we'd be. We'd probably still win the war, but be a lot more deaths. All I know is that the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade would not be the same without exactly. his influence. We would know nothing about inflatable characters. When he asked, when asked why he did all this stuff, because for the longest time it was just him. For years, until 1942, it was, it was just him running his own show. And he said he just did it for the good of humanity. He never received any fame or fortune. He ended up dying in Caracas, Venezuela in 1988, a few years after his biography came out. He was living in his son's house he's able to stay with family which is good god he couldn't even buy his own house what a fucking failure i mean he 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 did <laughs> he sold it god what he had to live with his son for the rest of his life <laughs> this guy yeah, isn't shit we're definitely american culture right here yeah right fuck anybody else who's related to god, me i bet he didn't even own his own car <laughs> so yeah that that dude's kind of a badass only slightly He's only slightly a, a slight genius. badass. Yeah, God, what a very genius. That's delightful. I love. Yeah. Oh, a man. wholesome. Yes. Anti-Nazi yeah. story from AJ. Nobody, nobody got murdered, or mm. okay, well, plenty of people got murdered during World War II, but in this story, in this story, in this story, nobody got molested. Yo, nobody yeah. Nobody was, got abused. Yeah. I mean, he was abused by the guy that, by his uh, what was his, it? his colonel. colonel? Yeah, his colonel. But. I mean, nobody was molested nobody in this one, so this is great. Nobody was sexually assaulted. I didn't post-mortem. Miss, uh, no, post, yeah. <laughs> nobody was, nobody became a human a de- corpse fleshlight. Yeah. Oh, we, we didn't even talk about that on, that's not even an episode that I'm referencing. Yeah, I was like, were we Never supposed mind. to have talked uh, about that at some a, point? I think that was a dream. <laughs> a dream uh, or a nightmare? Not, you should probably uh, clarify. No, I think, I think I dreamed that I covered the story of that. German doctor who yeah your your biography yeah yeah who uh, <laughs> fell in love with that tuberculosis patient or he saw a vision of the tuberculosis oh, patient oh I but remember then he you telling her, me about this and then he made the mausoleum we won't for, get into it because this is a positive episode so and then stop it he no brought stop her corpse it. up and brought stop it to her it. house in no. a little red wagon and then he put a cardboard tube in her uh, vagina and fucked man, it man we were doing uh, so well we shit, were doing sorry. so well you oh, just no. ruined it. 
Oh, um, new thing on the on the Patreon. Yeah. Let, let's get into it. We worked on this for a couple hours today. If you are well, half on, of us worked on this for well, a couple hours. I worked today. on this for a couple hours. I just today. watched videos of chickens for a few hours. It was nice. That was great. I listened to part of it. Yeah. That we listened to a TED talk together. We it did. We it was about hands. crows. Yeah, it was romantic. And then we kissed. It was our first date. <laughs> our first that was date. Just ironically. Yeah. It was a joke, bro. Yeah. But if you're on Patreon, we added a one dollar tier. Uh we'll shout uh I don't know. I don't know what the what the rewards are for that, but you know, if you don't have $4 for the $1 in, tier? Yeah. Oh, there was it. It was just like, hey, uh, we'll yawn a lot less Oh, yes. Episodes. It's coffee money. Tired. Please pay for our coffee. <laughs> we won't get as bored with one another because we'll be able to buy Seattle's best coffee. No. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, God. Uh, but if you're on the 420 tier. Turn up. You get a 15% discount on our merchandise store. You can get it through the... Uh, through the website there. <laughs> you might have also gotten an email about it. I told it to send an email, but I don't know if it actually did, yeah. if you're currently on it. But if you sign up to it, you'll receive the message with the discount code. It's good forever. As many products as you want, please. Yeah, please. <laughs> but yeah, it's 15% off. Um, and then we added a new tier as well if you want to spend even more money on us. Uh, but yeah, everything, it's it's coming together. Yeah. want to thank... Casey McFacey and Haley yeah. for being on our patrons, being our patrons. Being our patrons. We, we really do appreciate it. Also, a uh, shout out to, uh, I'm going to fuck this up because I didn't look at it before and I was going to, Melissa. Is that right? That one uh, was? Look why are you looking at me? I don't know. You were the one that you sent me oh, the, uh, I did send, you were like, oh, wholesome yeah. comment alert. Um, I'll, I'll grab it. I'll grab yeah, it. Don't you I'll shout out anybody that gives us good feedback. Oh, yeah. Melissa. That's what I'm going I'm pretty with. sure My it guess was. is it's Melissa, and I'm just going to keep saying her name. Melissa, if you can tell me how many times I said your name on this episode. I don't, don't. I will send you a virtual high five, fuck if I know, I don't know, something. <laughs> we are professionals <laughs> yeah, here. Top tier. Where, where, where is it? I know, uh. Just go to the, no uh, go go to the, the what? Notifications. Notifications, stupid. What's a notification? The little heart in the bottom. Jesus Christ. Oh, it is Melissa. You're right. Yes, I was fucking right. Okay, cool. Well, thank right. you so much. We really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, everybody's positive comments are very welcome. Yes. Tell your friends yeah. like, that you put up a comment yeah. that's positive out there. Make the world better. Yeah. Tell more people to subscribe to us. Yeah. <laughs> Be nice to us. <laughs> Be nice to us. Please. We don't have a lot of friends. Yeah. No negative feedback, please. Oh, now we're going to get a lot. <laughs> no mean comment. Uh, safe space. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Oh, but uh, yeah, find us on Instagram and Twitter at Points O Pressure. And thanks again for tuning in. We will catch you next week. No Nazis next week. I promise. Yeah. No, I promise. No Nazis next week. We'll see you guys. <laughs>